Welcome to the Travel Lounge podcast with the travel expert Sarah Slattery and award-winning travel journalist and broadcaster Ed Finn. Every week we will bring you the latest happenings from holidays at home to exciting places and destinations around the world. We will also have some special guests joining us from time to time. So sit back and relax in the exclusive Travel Lounge and we'll call you when your flight is boarding. This week I discovered a part of Dublin that I didn't know that well. The Liberties. The Liberties were originally medieval districts with their own jurisdiction. But over time, they became a new area bustling with business. Boots, biscuits and breweries. Boots? No, not the chemist, but Wynne Stanley, who hired over 500 people in their day. These boots were exported right across the British Empire. Biscuits, Jacob's Cream Crackers of course, also made in the Liberties. And Brewers, with three of the biggest distilleries of the day, Rose, Jemison, and Powers. And you're very welcome to the Travel Lounge podcast coming to you today from the Hyatt Centric Hotel in the heart of the Liberties. And I'm delighted to be joined by Managing Director Declan Curtis. Declan, how are you? Great, Ed. Great to have you here. Thanks for coming. Great, Declan. I suppose over the last few years, the Liberties has just come on in leaps and bounds. And I can see all around today, now I'm going to be doing some interesting things while I'm here, like Patrick's Cathedral, Marsh's Library. There's distilleries coming out everywhere here. that I've never seen so many distilleries in one place, Teeling. Pearson Lyons, Roe and Co. Amazing what's happened here in the Liberties. And coming in today, I felt like I was in Paris or I felt like I was in Rome or somewhere. It's become so bohemian and cosmopolitan, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has involved from when we first looked at this project to where it is now, you know. I remember telling a colleague, we were looking at a hotel down in the Liberties and he said to me, good luck with that, you know. And just the change and the evolution in the area and the addition of premises, like you said, there's three or four distilleries all around us here who are great neighbours and fumbly around the corner and two pups across the road. You know, from a food and beverage point of view, there's so much to do with Spitalfields located on the doorstep. And then obviously the likes of Marshes and St. Patrick's and Christchurch just up the road, you know. But even beyond that, the influx of people into the area, the cosmopolitan nature, it, it actually does feel like Paris today. Yeah, and of course the hotel, the Hyatt-centric here, Declan, you're part of the Hudson Hotel Group. I mean, if you could just tell people a little bit about the group. I suppose four hotels now across the country, starting in the Galway Bay, and the Hudson Bay in Athlone, the Sheraton in Athlone Town Centre and ourselves as the fourth edition, you know. We would always consider ourselves, although it's a, a Hyatt brand, we're very much a, a family-run hotel here, you know. So I'm proud of that, you know. Yeah, and it's amazing because when people think of Hyatt, you know, you think of a very American brand, I guess, and you think of something very particular. Very impressive today, a beautiful feeling in the hotel here. Again, the decor, the way everything is done, there's art everywhere. It's very much a very warm country feeling, but yeah, Yes, very elegant and very posh. As, as, as somebody <laughs> once described me, he's that country hotelier. He just happens to live in the city, you know. <laughs> uh, we would have protected the story around our neighbourhood. We would have looked at our culture and what we dug up out of the ground here. And we, we reflected all of that history in our design. So the carpet we look at below us now has a coin in it. And that's a replica of a coin we found when we dug out the excavations here. We have slates and scales and bones and bits of crockery in Delft and anywhere we can bring that in and bring it to life within the property and the people we have. You could have made a programme about the, the building 
of the hotel here. When did you start first, Declan? I think 2016 was the first kind of foray to kind of get the site and start to dig it out. Really, probably, you know, 2017, 2018, most of the work was done. 2019 then, we, we, we got it open and then obviously open, close, open, close and hopefully staying open now for the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I see you have a 900-year-old sort of story and photos of uncovered objects actually that people can see. Yeah. As we dug, particularly out in the areas like the, the garden behind us here, we hit a layer of history every time. So we could see stuff that was left behind from the Huguenots when they were here. And then we dug down a layer when the English were here and we dug down a layer then before that. And it was really from the first settlement. So And we mapped out that and captured it on our history wall. So it's great to celebrate and share that story, you know. And it just it's our neighbourhood and it's part of who we are and what we do here, you know. Yes, and I must say the hotel itself is lovely. It's interesting woven very nicely into the local area here. It's not obtrusive at all. You know, it's really stylish from outside as well. Is that something that's really interesting in terms of the, the numbers? I mean, when you were looking at how many rooms, for example, you'd have here, I mean, and obviously the economics and the monetary stuff behind it all. Yeah, again, we had a certain space to work within and our owner, John O'Sullivan, described it as slicing a block of ice cream. Taking how many, you can get 10 slices if you if you do a chunky slice, but you can get 20 slices if you slice them thin enough, you know, so... <laughs> We wanted to get a good sized room in here. So each room is 25 square meters. So there's no room that's small or compromised in any way. And there's loads of natural light that floods us from the front and from the back, you know. So we made the best use of space upstairs and then ground floor as ergonomic as we could design it with a single kitchen feeding front of house and back of house and close to reception. So you can see it was a hotel designed by a hotelier rather than an architect. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Because it is very cleverly done. I must say the space you're talking about, the rooms are amazing. I mean, you can treat yourself to a lovely suite here and you're looking over the whole city, really. But I mean, it's really good value as well. And even looking at your cocktail menu there today. And of course, there's a lovely outside garden, terrace garden area there as well. But the value, you've definitely kept your eye on the ball there. A lot of people giving out about gouging and everything, Declan. But certainly I don't see that here at all. Yeah, it wouldn't be something that the group would would tolerate. So, you know, obviously, if you want to pay more for a suite, you can pay more for a suite, you know. But I, the, we, we would hate that someone would feel that they didn't get value for money here. Like, we would rank on third-party sites as the number one property for value on the likes of Booking.com and TripAdvisor. And we would fight hard to maintain that. So we don't take the opportunity to gouge. We have an absolute ceiling and we hit that absolute ceiling. Even though the demand is there, we won't take it. We also look after our regulars very, very well. So we'll honour their rate, whatever it is with us. So value for money on food and beverage. Again, I hate the feeling of being ripped off somewhere. Absolutely. If you want to order fillet steak, you'll pay a little bit more. If you want to have a burger, you'll pay a little bit less. That's really what things are all about in terms of the hospitality industry. It's that attention to detail and service and style. And and again, repeat business is huge, of course, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a people game. Look after the people that come and stay with you. Look after the people that you work with. Respect the community around you. And, you know, it's, it, it hopefully everybody get something out of it then you know yeah, not, yeah. not just us well I'm very excited now right about my few days here because I'm going to do Marsh's Library I was sent here they're going to do Teelings Pearson Lyon I'm going to do St. Patrick's Cathedral Christchurch and the Liberties Market of course I'm you know I'm really excited actually about it and I'm delighted to that I don't have to go near an airport I'm thrilled it's yeah, great <laughs> listen just yeah, to give people yeah. an idea from your your own experience
expertise yourself. For people that would come here and want a nice little getaway from it all up in Dublin, what would you say to them? What would your sort of top five things to do be or what would your top tips be? So for me to, to walk out of the hotel and go up Meat Street, it often does not get the press that it deserves. But if you want to see Dublin inner city at its finest, we refer to the Liberties as the village. And the people from the Liberties term themselves as we're from the village. He's from the village and he's not from the village. When you walk up Meat Street and there's a there's a myriad of little shops up there, you know, there's Morton's that do the vegetables up there and Darren and Dave have a lovely fish shop there and you can walk into Darren and Dave to go up and buy 10 kilos of salmon but if there's somebody standing in front of you they're looking after the person standing in front of you the Liberties Market is great there's Tasty Eight the cafe up there is great there's lots of little finds that almost has a shortage feel to it to get you up onto Thomas Street turn right you've got Christchurch turn right you're on Francis Street and you're back down to us that single little loop around us will give you everything you need to know about the Liberties in that little journey. Yeah, brilliant. And I've heard Fallon's do one of the best points again. Absolutely. absolutely. Even though it's very warm, I might try and find later. It'd be a shame not to do it. (laughs) Right on the doorstep. (laughs) It's great to chat to you, Declan, and it's great to see things coming back again. You've been through what to call a a nightmare time, I suppose, really. Um, Is the future exciting now? Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm delighted to say that we held on to as many of our team that we could possibly could here all the way through the whole process, you know, and the leadership team here have been really good to us and I would feel that we're in quite a strong place in that the culture of what we do here and our pillars that we expound with our team here through respect for each other, colleague and community really, really, really has kept us together as a team and changed the way that the hotel business operates, you know, because it's no longer about seeing the building as the asset, but appreciating that the team we work with really is the asset. Absolutely. And I must say, coming from Cork myself, right, I love what you said earlier about country hoteliers in the city. Yeah. Very nice. That's us, you know. I'm a bogger and proud, you know. <laughs> Brilliant. Declan, for anybody who'd like to get, I know you've got loads of different offers and lots of deals. Where's the best place for people to go if they want to get details and to book stuff here? Oh, Hyatt.com. Hyatt.com. Sign up, become a member. It gives you fantastic access to the best offers that are out there. Brilliant. Declan Curtis, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Thanks a million. Uh, thanks a million for coming in. Enjoy your stay. Amy Ryan, the Visitor Services Manager here at Marsh's Library. Amazing, Amy. I can't believe I've never been to Marsh's Library and I'm living in Dublin a long time. This is an absolute treasure. Just for the listeners, could you give us a little bit of an idea about how this library came about and the history here? Yes, it was founded by a gentleman named Narcissus Marsh. He was an English clergyman who came to Dublin to take over as the provost of Trinity College. He was fairly uninspired, is probably the best term, by Dublin. He wasn't very impressed with the students at Trinity, nor the booksellers in Dublin. He also felt the library at Trinity at the time was too restrictive. Only staff and students had access, which he thought was, uh, wasn't was particularly fair. So it sort of inspired him to have a public library built in the city. This didn't happen until many years later, after he became the Archbishop of Dublin, at which point he funded himself to have a public library built. It was officially declared open in 1707 via an act of parliament. Uh, And 300 years later, it is is still a working library. We have about 25,000 volumes between the 15 to 18 centuries. And nowadays, people are more than welcome to consult our materials as well. We're also open as a museum. So we regularly do exhibitions on the different collections that we have. Uh, We've had a number of famous readers over the years, such as James Joyce, Bram Stoker and Jonathan Swift. Amazing. And of course, we're right beside, I can see 
through the yeah. lovely window here and the building is beautiful. It's in Patrick's Cathedral, so right beside each other. So it's a lovely combination. Yeah. It's the most beautiful place here. And of course, books going back, you were saying they're only 300 to 500 years old. And it really is incredible to look at the, the way that people studied then and the system that, it, that worked. And um, it's quite fascinating. And you really get a sense of, you get a sense of the way things work. It's like you go back in time. It, that's how a lot of people describe it. Uh, it is an original 18th century building, purpose built as a library. Very, very little has changed over the centuries. So people do sort of take that moment when they first come in and just take it in at the height of the shelves. There's also the smell of the books. Staff are immune to that now, but it's a lot of, it's something that a lot of people comment on when they come through. Absolutely. And when people call Amy to Marshes here, what would your recommendations be for them? I mean, I know it's not very big, so it's not like you're in the Louvre or anything, but please, please, please ask any questions. We have a wonderful team of volunteers who basically help us run it as a museum, as well as part-time and full-time staff. But there's so many tales that all, they just can't all fit into the little brochure we give you. We do our best, but please ask any questions. We're always happy to chat away and yeah, just give you any information on what you might find interesting. There's things like, oh, there's the books themselves, which are just stunning and people have taken photos, but there's details within the exhibitions. There's things like we have what's known as our bullet books. So books that got shot during the 1916 Rising and you can still see the original bullet holes. We have our cages where we used to lock readers in as a form of security to stop book theft. These were people with light fingers. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, even back then, we, we did an exhibition previously about books that had been stolen that we managed to retrieve, but that only came to nine out of 1,180. So if you see one of our books, please bring it back. We are still looking for them. Fantastic. Amy, something really nice as well. I saw you, there's exhibitions. You, you're highlighting certain authors yeah. at the moment. Uh, because so while we are a working library, we do maintain that you have to have a study purpose to consult the books just because of the nature of them and their age. We are trying to conserve them as best we can. So that's why we always have different exhibitions, different themes. So people can get a chance to see what we have throughout. So we've done, as I mentioned, a books exhibition on stolen books, rare books, books consulted by Joyce, books consulted by Stoker. We had one all about marginalia. So doodles and notes written in the books. Our next one that's going to be coming at the end of August will actually be on on books shown to be popular on social media. So that one's going to be really interesting because you're going to have a really good mix of all sorts of different bits and pieces on display. Very good. And Amy, for anybody who wants to get information about that, where's the best place to go? Websites? Our website. So yeah, it's just www.marshlibrary.ie. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram where we basically post a page a day and keep you updated on everything that we're doing. Wonderful. Well, I must say I'm delighted to have discovered Marsh's Library and I can't wait to come back and have more time to wander around. Well, excellent. And we'll welcome you back. And now I've just arrived in St. Patrick's Cathedral and I'm delighted to be welcomed by Frida Doyle. And Frida, you are? I'm the Senior Welcome Desk Operative here in the Cathedral. Wonderful. And you're here? I'm here 20 years. Wow. Quite a lot. You look about 25. Oh, right? Yeah, you're, I do all right. I, would you believe it? I'm, I'm over, I'm in my 50s, right? And I have never been to St. Patrick's Cathedral and I've just been inside and come out and it's it really has the wow factor. Oh, it's it's amazing building, isn't it? It is absolutely amazing. Even after 20 years working here, some days I find something that I've never seen before and it kind of amazes me myself. It's a beautiful place to walk in and we're really, really lucky to have it here on our doorstep. Yeah, and of course, I mean, we're doing a feature on the Liberties, you know, right in our doorstep and of course how it's come on as one of the coolest, hottest neighbourhoods really in Dublin. Can you just give us a bit of history, Frida, about St. Patrick's Cathedral? Yeah, of course. It's here since 1190 and it's Anglican. It's the National Cathedral for the 
whole Anglican community here in, in Ireland. We have two cathedrals here. We've us here, St. Patrick's and Christ Church up the road, which is only a stone's throw from us. And that's the national cathedral for Dublin and Glendalough. So some people are amazed it's two so close together, it's two such beautiful buildings. But we're in the Liberties area, obviously, and they were just inside the old city walls. Quite a lot of visitors, thank God, this year. We're getting back to normality after the terrible COVID time. Quite a few Americans this year that had kind of died off before, but we are getting local people in, which I think is a fantastic thing because people in the area tended not to visit us, but of late they are coming in. And we're just caretakers of this cathedral for the next generations and everybody is more than welcome to come in to see us. You know, and it's absolutely amazing. The Dean was telling me earlier that, he, of course, he started just before COVID, a, a roof regeneration. And then, of course, everything ground to a halt. But it's great to see that everything is back on track again. And I see the buses here today and the glorious sunshine and everyone's really, I can see people are so impressed inside. When, I mean, what is the normal when people come, Frida? I mean, they see all the main, I mean, I see Jonathan Swift inside there. What are the main things people kind of look when they come to see? It depends on the nationalities. Like they have different reasons for coming so some just come for prayer. Some come particularly to see Jonathan Swift's grave. And then some come to see, we have the Door of Reconciliation in the cathedral, which is a wonderful story, goes along with it. Two feuding families fighting over land. The butlers of Ormond and the Fitzgeralds chased them down into the cathedral. They sought sanctuary and he locked himself in behind a door. And after a while, he realised he couldn't stay there forever. So he got one of his men to cut the hole out in the door and he took his hand through as a gesture of peace. Now, he could have lost his arm. But on the other side, they decided, oh, this is a very brave thing to do and they shook hands and they reconciled. And this is where you get the saying to chance your own. Ah, very so good. So it comes from this store. And yeah. this, I know Dublin people... I wouldn't people, be any stranger to no, that. No, <laughs> Either would I. <laughs> it's very difficult to explain that to foreign visitors. They just don't get the concept. But for us, it's it's wonderful story to be telling, especially our, our Irish visitors. Brilliant. And when people come here, I suppose it can be for, I mean, architecturally speaking, I mean, you know, in terms of history, I mean, it has the religious angle as well. I think a lot of people aren't even sure. I mean, I know there are two Protestant cathedrals and of course the pro-cathedral then was the Catholic one. But it's amazing, actually, for me even today to discover when you come around to discover the actual history that I've never been in to see before. And I'm majorly impressed. Yeah, it is very impressive building. And we have so much history to share within the building, like the major restoration by Benjamin Lee Guinness like different projects throughout the down through the centuries throughout the year our stained glass is just absolutely fantastic we have many stained glass windows unfortunately we don't have any Harry Clark windows but Harry Clark did design the frieze around our roll of honour from the First World War so we do have a piece of Harry Clark in the cathedral which is very important wonderful wonderful and Frida, for people that want to go to get information about it and the events and things that are happening, what's the best website? The best, well, to me, the best way is to go online. Our website, um, we've on Instagram, we're all in this modern technology now. When they come in, they have a choice of, of information. So they can either take a map and do their own thing. They can have a audio guide of which are only new to us this year and who are hugely successful. People are absolutely thrilled with it. Or if we do have, we do put tours on and we try to put on as many a day as we can. And some people like the interaction between a human person rather than a machine. So they're very, very popular. So no one is going to leave us without any piece of knowledge about the cathedral. We make sure that everyone is taken care of and everyone is more than welcome to come in and see us. We really do love having our visitors in. Yeah, and I mean, and of course, and and next door here then, you can always go out and have a lovely coffee and a piece of cake. 
pronouncing the, it. They say Patrick's Park, yeah, which is absolutely Patrick's stunning. Park is absolutely stunning. It's always very full. In the morning early, you'll have all the locals walking their dogs, which is wonderful because I'm a really dog person. And we have a lovely cafe there. And it's just a stunning, it's taken care of so well by Dublin Corporation. It's a beautiful little park. Wonderful. Well, listen, Frida Doyle, it's been a pleasure. And listen, another 20 years now, I'll be back again to have a chat. Well, I hope <laughs> I'm still here, Ed, and you're very welcome. And please come back to us anytime. Absolutely. You're Thanks a million, Frida. No problems, Ed. Thank you. Dean William Morton, it's a pleasure to meet you and what a beautiful day here today in St. Patrick's Cathedral. You're an Armagh man yourself and you're here, you were telling me, six years. Yes, I am indeed. I was elected to this office on the 9th of May in 2016 and installed on the 24th of September that year. Wonderful. And I must say, I've never been to St. Patrick's Cathedral and I'm just majorly impressed by what I've seen today. And I can say to anybody, wherever you come from in Ireland, this place is really special. Well, I hope that this is the first of many visits for you here, Edward. It is literally a most wonderful place and a very ancient place and a very holy site because it's believed that very close to where we are standing here, St. Patrick baptised early Christians when he was in Ireland here in the 5th century. And on coming into St. Patrick's Cathedral, just when you come in through the southwest porch and the big west window is on your left, you see just straight in front a huge slab, stone slab. And that is that was recovered from St. Patrick's Park when this park here beside us was being made way over 100 years ago. This big boulder, big stone slab was recovered and it's one of about five or six in this area that was discovered. And I think there were about maybe 30 or 40 of them all over Dublin. It's very ancient and it was discovered near what was thought to be the source of the well from which Patrick used water for the baptism of those early Christians. So we have it here and it it fascinates so many people who come in when they discover that and they're told where the location of the well was and the site of it still is here in St. Patrick's Park. So it's it's an amazing thought that really. So we have people who come here to this place. This is the third church on the site and the present building, which really is characterised by the work of Benjamin Lee Guinness between 1860 and 1865, who in a sense rescued the cathedral which was in, in a, a state of dilapidation. And Benjamin Lee Guinness in 1860 wrote to the dean and chapter and he said to them, look, it won't come as any news, it won't come as a shock to you, but you're aware your building is deteriorating and will not be here unless something is done about it. And he made a non-paralleled offer, Edward. He said to them, I am willing to fix it for you. I will restore it. But there's one condition. He was like Frank Sinatra. He says, I'll do it my way. And the original letter is here on display in the Dean's rowing room and it costs a phenomenal sum of money which if you allowed for monetary values now it would have been probably between 20 and 30 million but he paid for that. So what we see now is the result of the Guinness restoration. But the biggest project that has been carried that has ever been carried out since then was carried out and finished last September and that was the putting on of the new roof the higher roofs yeah and I must say it looks absolutely spectacular it must have been and then of course Covid hit right it must have been a few stress a few sleepless nights you're absolutely you are so right it all began on the 10th of August in 2019 but then when we got round to March into 2020 of course you know 
the old pandemic was getting a grip and we had the first lockdown. You know, the, the hills rang silent. There, there wasn't a person around the place at all. And we, we had to shut by government order, you know, for a period of time. We often wondered through the, the next months, you know, and over for about a year and a half until last autumn, what we were going to do. But fortunately, we were able to get the roof project finished. We benefited from the generosity of a lot of individuals and, and the government also came to our aid and to compensate us for a loss of income, they donated a million euro and then 250,000 euro in another time for, you know, fabric costs as well. So we're hugely grateful for all donations. We've managed to get it finished. Now, getting it paid off will be another matter, but we're working way at it. But it's a delight to see so many people here, you know, and mm. the noise of the conversations in the cathedral, Edward. It's encouraging because the more visitors we have, then the likelihood of us getting it all finished is very good. Wonderful. Well, I must say for anybody who hasn't been here, it really is a revelation, if you like, and the sheer scale and the, when you go inside the cathedral and to see the stained glass windows, it really is that wow factor. It, it is. It, it is a breathtaking experience. Oh. And we have people, and I've said this many times before, and I'll say it to you because it's very important. Whether the person comes to worship God or whether they come at a time when services, maybe at a time in a day when services are not being held, they are enormously welcome. And as the dean here, I want to say that this, I want this place to be, continue to be a place of enormous welcome and friendship and openness and acceptance and a place of tolerance and a place of inclusivity for everyone, for all branches of the Christian family, for people of loads of other world religions, and for people who have no belief at all in any God or deity or anything, as members of humanity, of the human race, I want them to feel welcome here because they are. Dean William Morton, thank you so much. Thank you, Edward. Head distiller at Pierce Lyons, Garod Cal. In the background, you can see the centerpiece of our distillery, which are our pot stills. Uh, these are very special to us. They were manufactured in Kentucky, in the US, uh, and they are uh, a unique design for us. There's a lovely lamp glass finish on the wash still on the left, and on the spirit still, we have rectification plates. So this gives us a very special flavor uh, and a unique profile for the whiskey that we're making here. These stills have caused us quite a bit of trouble in getting them into the church. Uh, they're too big to fit through the doors. This is an ancient building, and the doors are quite narrow. So we've actually had to strip off a large section of the roof and using cranes and lifting equipment, carefully drop them in through the roof uh, and then position them uh, as the centerpiece of our distillery here on the altar. And there, my friends, you have it. The saga of St. James's and how it came to be the Pierce Lions Distillery. From bloody murder to burials through reformation, revolution, and now finally, restoration. Our restoration and transformation of the Pierce Lines Distillery of St. James has been a pilgrimage of sorts in honor of our ancestors. We're delighted that you could join us for this journey. Enjoy the tour and we'll see you at the bar where there's a whiskey waiting for you on the Slauncher. So thank you for joining us in the Travel Lounge. Listen, subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And happy travels.